Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Live from Trackside, this is IMSA Radio. Everybody and welcome to the Circuit of the Americas. It's IMSA Radio coming to you live from a beautiful sunshine afternoon. The three and a half mile circuit is well known for MotoGP, for Formula One, of course, and it's even had the Aussie V8 here uh, in its relatively short history. We've got sports cars here this weekend, and sports cars are plenty with the IMSA Tudor United Sports Car Championship and the FIA World Endurance Championship as the lead acts, but the supporting cast is long and impressive. And it's all live here on IMSA Radio. The Continental Sports Car Challenge on IMSA Radio. So the Continental Tyres competitors getting set in the pit lane, the Continental Tyres Sports Car Challenge for the Lone Star uh, Le Mans. And a uh, couple of people asking on Twitter, by the way, it's at IMSA Radio on Twitter, Nicky Swan among a number of people, how do the pit garages and the pit wall work? It's a good question. Uh, for those of you that don't know, the IMSA series use an open pit wall, as you would see quite a lot of American-style circuits, with an inner pit wall of concrete. Behind that inner pit wall are all the pit stands and the equipment. Whereas, of course, you've also got the outer pit wall here, right next to the start-finish line, which is where the Formula One teams and, indeed, the World Championship teams have got their pit perches set up and their uh, pit boards, etc., that means that it's not that easy to get in and out of the garages, which are occupied by the FIA World Championship teams. But there are a couple of gaps in the concrete wall. But when it comes to race day, which is Saturday here, of course, uh, that means that that wall has got to disappear in the time between the chequered flag for the Tudor United Sports Car Championship and the green flag for the FIA World Endurance Championship. That is 165 minutes flag to flag it's not a lot of time and there's over 100 concrete blocks have to be moved a squadron of forklift trucks will be employed to do that can't wait to see it happen I'm not sure that squadron is the right collective noun for forklift trucks if you can think of a better one at IMSA radio but that's how it works it will be uh, a, a hybrid system uh, over the first couple of days and then we get down to the FIA race uh, the wall will disappear and you will see a more traditional uh, European style pit lane but all of that is as of naught because we are into the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge now Jeremy Shaw is off to my left a class that is building in importance in American road racing uh, we've heard this week of the cars that will be eligible for this championship next year and it's an extension of the improvement and development of this Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge. The new GT4 Porsche Cayman 
that he has been allowed in as a GS car. Interestingly, this is a, a Porsche Motorsport product uh, among a number of cars that have been uh, allowed into the series. And a series, as well as its importance, Jeremy, that this year has just continued to produce fantastic racing. Yeah, I think it's actually arguably been better racing this year, actually, in, in many ways. There's, there's fewer cars in the GS class in the past, uh, but, uh, but that lack of quantity has not diminished the qual- quality in any way at all. In fact, I think quite the opposite. We've had I'd fewer agree. caution periods as a result, perhaps, of that. Uh, we've got, you know, there's plenty of cars in this race. We've got uh, 43 cars here this weekend. That's plenty to put on a good motor race. Thank you very much indeed. Um, and But every single race we've had this year, John, has been an absolute cracker. And what we've seen, uh, it, has, it has made uh, a, a little difference to some of the races. For example, at Lime Rock, there should have been a GS race and an ST race. GS being Grand Sport, the cars at the front of the field. ST being uh, Street Tuner, uh, the cars that are even closer to their street spec brethren they were put together i don't think we lost anything from that we've always had at least double figures of the gs cars entered at the start of the weekend round about 13 or 14 has been the average i would say and the battle at the front of the field jeremy is absolutely electric because you know we how many times have we said it only takes two cars to make a race well it only takes two cars to make a championship as well it does indeed and uh, i mean if we look to the fastest laps from the last race at uh, Virginia International Raceway a couple of weeks ago. Uh, that tells you really, I think, pretty much all you need to know. The top, I don't know, six or seven cars were covered uh, in total by about a tenth of a second. Um, and it, it really couldn't be any closer than maybe two tenths of a second, the top uh, half a dozen. Um, and, you know, it's tremendously close racing. Uh, the cars are closely matched. We saw this morning in the practice session, top four of uh, four different manufacturers. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, and the ST category, well, you know, hardly big gaps there. It is, uh, a, I mean, again, it's two, poor, it's two um, MX-5 teams that are battling out the front of that field. Uh, some new cars being allowed into the ST category next year uh, as well. But what, what we've seen throughout the season has been brilliant racing. And whether it's been people having to come back through the park or people racing right at the front, uh, what we've seen in the normally two-hour, 40-minute races has been lots of excitement. It's not a super long race, but the way the regulations are written means that tactics do form a massive part of what's going on because... The race doesn't easily break up normally into, oh, well, that's just two pit stops because we can do a full tank and a full tank. And that has, at times during the year, actually, thrown the dice, made people roll the dice. And, you know, we've seen people running out of fuel on two corners to go at Road America, didn't we? I mean, you know, that was that was a ridiculous thing. We have seen people rolling the dice and, and not having it going their way. Yeah, well, yeah, we, uh, particularly uh, you talked about that uh, ST-class at uh, Road America, and last time out at VAR, we saw the two leaders trying to stretch their fuel, uh, and and coming short, they had to both make uh, pit stops uh, within the final, you know, two laps of the race. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of throwing of the dice out there, <laughs> and uh, you know, people are staying a bit close to win because they know how difficult it is to win in this series, and sometimes you've got to take a chance. And unfortunately, for a couple of teams, last time out it didn't pay off, but but maybe it will this time. The battle at the front of the field is uh, between uh, two, uh, I mean, absolutely daggers drawn, isn't it, between the Chevrolet Camaro Z28R of 
the six crew, Andrew Davies and Robin Liddell, and the Rum Bum Racing Porsche, Hewitt and Matt Plum, um, with the Porsche 911. Now, the there is balance of performance in play here, so I'll preface what I'm about to say with that. But the 911 is effectively a cup car. The Chevy Camaro is a works-built and pretty much works-operated uh, Camaro from GM. This has been a real David and Goliath battle all the way through the season. Absolutely written the best way in the best traditions of motorsport, Jeremy. The big car in every sense, big engine, big footprint, big noise, and the small, nimble Porsche. It's not even a big, wide-bodied Porsche. If it's behind one of the Camaros or one of the Mustangs, sometimes you can't even see it's there. David and Goliath, big versus little. It's classic, and it has worked right the way through the season, and we still don't know who's going to win this championship. No, we don't. The Rumbum Porsche, they won the last two races. They also won the first round out of the championship at Daytona and they're now having had a couple of uh, mediocre results they're now about right back into the picture those last two victories have pulled them to within 10 points of the championship lead and still you know that's the difference if, if you take split that into two races to go five point differential that's a, that's the difference between first and third so uh, if uh, Andrew Davis and Robin Liddell can finish uh, in the top three or a second and a third in these final two races, that whatever else happens will be good enough. But it's certainly it's taken this championship down to the end. Uh, and that might seem relatively easy to do because of the dominance at the front of the field by the Chevy uh, and the Porsche. Except we've got a couple of wild cards that's been thrown into the mix, particularly in the second half of the season. First of all, the Nismo uh, Nissans have come into their own exceptionally quick in the straight line the screaming six-cylinder engine is completely insane and they're they're coming off a couple of decent results as well yet to have a win so close to it we've seen them recently but those cars the kevin duran run cars they've got to be considered to getting in there and potentially mucking up the whole championship for the guys we've just talked about yeah, i completely agree with you i think this might not be the track that suits them the best uh, there's a lot of sort of there's a lot of uh, slow corners here. They, I think the Nissan drivers are telling me yesterday they're down in the second gear five times here on this track, and where they lose out is the torque, the dri the power down off the corners with that big uh, seven-liter Chevy that you just talked about, and the and the five-liter Mustangs as well. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's this series is all about horses for courses. Some tracks tend to suit some of the cars better than others but overall it has been a tremendous championship and yeah the Nissans are always there in the mix they had a couple of podiums prior to the last time out at VIR and they really probably should have won that race at yes. VIR started on the pole set the fastest lap of the race by back point zero zero not very much uh, <laughs> but then tried to stretch the fuel and it didn't pan out for them I think they'd have been better off actually making that pit stop uh, and running f fast to the end but still they're running faster at just about every venue John the, the other wild cards if you want to continue that analogy if, uh, and I will um, is the guys from Multimatic because they've introduced the Ford Shelby GT350 RC uh, in the second part of the season that is already a proven package brilliant car sounds distinctively different from the 302 Mustangs that are out there because of the flat plane crank that it employs four litre as well a little bit smaller uh, displacement goes, uh, sorry, five litre, uh, goes like the clappers and sounds like it's going like the clappers as well. Add into that as well, though, the BMW M3, the four-line IHG Rewards Club car, last year's champion, 
uh, Trent uh, Hindman, uh, Hindman, excuse me, and uh, Ashley Freiburg, they've had no luck but bad luck this year. And th- um, the tracks where they have really suited their cars, as we've got a green uh, flag, um, they haven't had the results they'd wanted to, often not by their own hand. But again, that is a car given the right day and a fair wind that could get in between Rumbum and the Camaro and start taking points away from the championship leader. And that's got to be the worry at this time of the season for Robin Liddell and Andrew Davies. The strength of the other competition, not just the guys who are right behind them in the championship. Completely agree with you. And that is the car that won here last year. Trent Hinman won this race with John Edwards last season alongside him in that four-line BMW. So they're going to be strong, I am sure, this afternoon. They struggled in the middle of the season, but the last couple of races, they've, they've been back on form. Uh, and they had a, had a podium finish, uh, and they've been running strong. So I would expect more of the same this weekend at Circuit of the Americas. That's the GS class, which will go out second in our qualifying session. The 15 minutes on the clock is already down to 14 for the ST. And, you know, everything that I've just said about yeah. the class at the front of this, uh, the field, rinse and repeat, because we've got a great battle at the front of the field there as well, Jeremy. Well, we really do, and uh, the, the uh, manufacturer's battle there is between Porsche and Mazda, just seven points between them coming into this weekend, so that's uh, manufacturers up for grabs, and uh, even though the two Mazdas are leading in the driver points, fairly convincing, they've got a handy margin over everybody else. It's Andrew Carbonell who leads the points. He'll be driving the number 26 Freedom Autosport Mazda MX5 this weekend, back along with his regular co-driver, Liam Dwyer, oh, who good. unfortunately was forced to miss the last race uh, at VIR. So he's back in the car this weekend, uh, and they are three points ahead of uh, Stephen McAleer and Chad McCombie for CJ Wilson Racing. And CJ Wilson Racing is based right here in Austin, so hometown for them. And they brought their second MX-5 out this weekend with Mark Miller uh, and uh, Tyler McQuarrie to drive that car as well to try and uh, you know, give a, lend a little more weight to their championship challenge. Let's not count out the Porsches there, though. The RS1 Porsche Caymans have been right there this season as well. The Cayman is a very, very nice racing car, very well balanced. Indeed so, and uh, yeah, three wins this season for the uh, RS1 car of Luis Rodriguez Jr. and Spencer Pompelli. And so, you know, you know that car... And it should, have been, it should have been another one, really, for yes. Spencer, because he was the man who ran out of fuel two corners from the end at, at Road America. That was... And it's not the first time that's happened to him either, of course, in that's, his career. That's true. And, and one of the next-level European Caymans, also uh, Gregor, Gregory Liefuger and uh, Eric Zimmerman, they run at Sebring. So four wins on the season for the Porsche Cayman. It's not counting out the front-wheel drive cars either, because the Honda of America, H-A-R-T... Uh, 92 and 93 cars getting faster and faster. And Ryan Eversley is back in the 93 car this weekend. Steve Bowman, Steve Ike, uh, Kevin Bowman, Steve Ike, rather, in the 92. Chad Gilsinger and Ryan Eversley in the 93. And Ryan Eversley was part of the winning team last year here, also in a Honda, sharing that time with Kyle Gimple for a Compass 360 racing uh, entry. But uh, certainly the Hondas, you know, having won the race here last year, have to be amongst the favourites. So cars out on the circuit for this 15 minutes of qualifying. No times recorded yet. It's a three and a half mile lap, or 3.4 if you want to be uh, absolutely pedantic uh, on the situation. And uh, the cars beginning to make their way back round towards us here at the beginning of the start-finish straight. But as I say, as yet, no times 
on the board. Should be able to get a decent lap here. In, in fairness, the STs are plentiful here this weekend. And uh, 28 STs, 15 Grand Sports. So 43 cars in total. 28 for the uh, ST class. You can understand why the uh, series management have been keen to try and split the two categories uh, where they can. But actually, I have to say, I enjoy mixed-class racing. Well, of course, I would, wouldn't I? would say that, wouldn't I? But I do think it's important, Jeremy, that people get the opportunity to race in mixed-category racing because there's no other way of learning about it than doing it. Yeah, you're right. Uh, there is so much to learn in this form of racing, and it does stand you in good stead for whatever you want to do in the future. Uh, and uh, certainly, we've got all these different manufacturers here in ST as well. You know, it's a... It's a, it's a stout field. It's going to be a fun, another fun race this weekend, as they always are. And already Great to see the minis joining in this year as yeah. well. That, that mini John Cooper works entry there with uh, Lewis Pericarpi's team from Indianapolis. They are, you know, they're still on a very steep learning curve here. They had some problems also yesterday with the fuel system on their cars, uh, and this morning there was a, the, uh, there's an electronic problems on one of the cars. I think it was a number 37 car didn't get out this morning in the practice session very famous number the 37 of course in mini history if you're not sure why go and look it up uh, very impressive performance in the Monte Carlo rally as well AGB was it AGB 33 was the uh, registration number of the car oh dear sorry I'll zip that anorak up right yeah. to the t <laughs> right to the top uh, lost the victory for having an ineligible tail light uh, that year was brought onto stage at the London Palladium on the uh, Saturday night following the victory and uh, lauded as the victor, the moral victor anyway, against uh, much bigger cars. Ah, happy days of the mid-1960s, the swinging 60s. Dan Rogers is the first man, I don't remember it, of course, I was just being told, uh, Greg told Jeremy and I all about it. Uh, Jeff Mosing is on to the uh, provisional poll early on in the 56 Porsche. Jeff uh, just jumped out of the uh, Porsche GT3 Cup uh, challenge by Yokohama, so absolutely in the zone, and a 2.31.9 is seven-tenths ahead of the rest of the field. Didn't have much time to recuperate, did he, from that uh, driving the Gold Cup Won his class. And winning the, winning the class, yeah, there's uh, no peace for Jeff Mosing. Good first lap there, too. Yeah, very, very good first flying lap, a 31.9 has just been usurped by the 18 RS1 Porsche Cayman of Adam Isman, the Canadian. And uh, Adam Isman, he was the guy, he uh, he set the uh, pole time here last year also in the Porsche Cayman, different team, uh, 229.9 one year ago. It's uh, Adam Isman, he's driving now for one of the, in one of the uh, RS1 uh, Porsche Caymans from Vancouver, driving with Kevin O'Keefe, who's making his debut in the championship this weekend from Seattle, Washington. Another change in the timing screen is Tyler McQuarrie and Chad McCombie <laughs> go across the line together. Now they're both CJ Wilson racing drivers in MX-5s and I would suggest that they are doing a bit of drafting Absolutely. in those two cars and the gap between them very little at all but Justin Piscatel now goes to 
the top of the screen for the Alara Racing MX-5. Wow, who would have thought that Kota was an MX-5 track? Big, long back straight, but there are some very technical, twisty parts of the circuit. And, and taking advantage of the clear track there, nobody uh, early in the session, so you, you can get some clear laps in. And Justin Piscatel, the pole master, uh, the, the started off this season with pole in each of the uh, first three races uh, in a couple of different cars. And uh, good to see him uh, trying to get trying to get another one here. So he hasn't he hasn't got a pole since then, but uh, he'll be. Uh, yeah, give him a full season that. contract, and you know hasn't four got poles, wasn't it? The first four races. Yeah. yeah. First of all, in the in the Porsche Cayman, and then the next three in the Alara Racing Mazda. So Piscatel by 0 0.006 of a second over Macquarie and McCumbie, who are Yikes. two and a half tenths apart. Then another two tenths further back is Adam Isman for the first of the Porsches. Then Jeff Morsing in fifth position. Top six, Chad Gilsinger for the 93 Honda. Watch out for that car in the race. I think they'll be wanting it a little bit cooler, though, to try and keep the front tyres under that car. So it's 34-3, 6-18. 56 and 93 your top six and we're halfway through pretty much the 15 minutes of st qualifying for the continental tire sports car challenge as part of the lone star le mans weekend here at the circuit of the americas it's john hindoff hello and jeremy shaw who is in the booth with me this afternoon just watching uh, liam dwyer's progress got down to a 35-3 last time around good enough for 18th position at the moment very disappointed not to have been in VIR that does mean of course that should his teammate go on to take the championship he will be sole champion of course yeah he will because um, uh, no points obviously for Liam Dwyer having missed that race at VIR I saw him last weekend he was at uh, Master Raceway Laguna Seca for the final rounds of the uh, Master Road to Indy that races. looked fun it was it was a great weekend and and, uh, and uh, Liam was there giving the command to start the engines and as, as you can imagine did it with some gusto and uh, he, he was so excited to be back at the racetrack I said you, you're going to be at Cir Circuit Americas next weekend are you? Absolutely. Because there was some doubt that, that oh, he yeah. would be able to make this but he's recovered uh, in his usual style he's not let anything uh, stand in front of him uh, and between him and his, his passion of racing and uh, got back a little bit quicker than the German, uh, the Germans, the doctors might have uh, have expected. Uh, uh, second lap there for Justin Piscatel, by the way, to change the subject, probably uh, wisely. Uh, improvement again for Justin Piscatel, so faster again in at number 34, Alara Racing Master RX uh, uh, NX5. I want two minutes 30.272, so now got best part, better part of a half a second advantage over the two CJ Wilson MX5s of Tyler McQuarrie and Chad McCumbie. Three MX5s at the front of the field. Mm. Surprise. I am slightly surprised by that, and what I haven't seen, we'll have to watch for Justin Piscatel coming through next time around to see if he's got any drafting help. I don't think he has. I think he's got clear air, but the two CJ Wilson drivers, the CJ Wilson racing drivers, have got uh, are together on the track, and uh, using that as a, a little bit of a, a drafting tactic. We used to see him back in Formula Ford and Formula Vauxhall Junior, Back in the UK many years ago, Jeremy, no tour, no front row. Uh, yeah. That was the only way you had to work with someone to be able to get the car through the air on any of the fast circuits in the UK. And I'm just wondering if that might pay off for the two Justin Wilson racing cars uh, later on in this session. 
Yeah, no doubt. I think they'll certainly be working hard together, and uh, it's good to see the number the number three car here back out this weekend to support number five of Chad McCumbie and uh, Stephen McAleer in their championship quest. Sura Catania improved on the third lap around in the number 44 Honda Civic. She's up in now into the seventh place. Uh, and uh, just ahead of her comes Britt Casey Jr. in the second of the Freedom Autosport Mazdas. So we've got three Mazdas now in the top six. Number 25 car of the youngster Britt Casey Jr. He's been very impressive in the few races he has done this season. And there's an improvement also for Liam Dwyer. He got it up inside the top dozen for Liam. What an excellent job that is. Yeah, that is. Greg Kramer just uh, rejoined us in the booth after officiating at the uh, the Porsche podium, commenting on Jeff Mosing's fifth position at the moment. He had been leading the standings earlier on, commenting particularly on just how worn out the drivers from the Porsche GT3 Cup challenge by Yokohama were at the end of their 45 minutes. And for Mosing to jump in, to the 56 the Porsche came in and put in that time early on quite remarkable what a superman he is yeah. yes he's had the knowledge of the track but he's on different tires he's in a different car with the engine in a different place and he's worn out from driving a fantastically competitive race in the gold class for 40 nearly 50 minutes actually yeah he's had a workout this afternoon as jeff mosey because he's used to the heat and humidity here he's from austin uh, itself, so you know, he's used to that. But it, you know, it was his fourth lap. He set the time in in this session, uh, and most of the guys are setting their quick time on lap lap two or three. So uh, he's uh, just continuing to go quicker and quicker. Is Jeff Mosing? I think he's still out on the track and uh, looking to go faster still. Third, one thirty two minutes thirty point two seven two. Then the quickest time so far in this session that compares to the uh, pole position last year two twenty nine point nine seven seven by Adam Isman who's currently fourth and has just come into the pit lane and called it a day yeah. with just over a minute to go pretty much everybody in the top dozen or so has been into the pits and back out again that will have been just to reset uh, tyre temperatures uh, have a chat with the pit crew it's not a long session this 15 minutes particularly yeah. not when it effectively to get out there it's going to be you know what is it it's going to be five minutes before you set your first time by the time you've done an outlap and then your first flyer so you can't afford to waste too much time out there another good lap there for justin piscatel and his third lap was a two minutes 30.7 that's uh, quicker than uh, anybody except uh, tyler bacquarie uh, and himself uh, earlier on of course but uh, another good lap there and chad mccubby also did improve last time around a th two minutes 30 Point nine? No, he didn't. Not quite. He did two minutes thirty point nine six six a little earlier on. Last lap was a two minutes thirty point nine eight two. So just sixteen thousandths of a second slow. Yeah, we've gone all the way through this session without a an interruption, and that's good news. As the checkered flag is now in hand, that will allow everyone to complete. 230.2 then looks like it's going to be the mark that will stand as pole position for the Alara Motorsport Master of Justin Piscatel and the team tactics of Macquarie and McCumbie have just not happened for them. Point zero, uh, sorry, it's a little bit more than that, isn't it? It's half a second uh, near enough between first and second. 230.2 and 230.7. 
And then a further two tenths further back for Chad McCumbie in third place. Yeah, so Mr. Papole, Justin Papiskitel, uh, another his fifth pole of the season. That's pretty remarkable, isn't it? In just nine races. Well, it is when the competition is so yeah. strong, Jeremy. You know, if, if there was no one else out there, <laughs> and if this was a series where one particular car was dominating, you'd think, yeah, all right. But it's not, and the Mazda's not always the right car for the job, although in fairness, he plonked a Porsche <laughs> on Paul as well, didn't he? So, yeah, I, I think this has been a very good year for Justin. He's uh, announced his intention, hasn't he, as a, as a driver to watch for the future. His qualifying is exceptional. His racing's not bad either. No, it's very, very good. Yeah, and you're actually right. I mean, he's taken the ball by the horns this season because he came into the championship without a full-time ride. It wasn't until more than halfway through the season that he was guaranteed a ride for the for the remaining races in the Alara Racing Mazda because he started out, if you remember, as a substitute for one of for um, for Brent Mosing uh, and Tim Prowitt in one of the uh, Murillo Racing BMW cars. That's what he. Uh, and he stepped in for Jeff Mosley actually at the first round at Daytona, put the car on the pole uh, and had a uh, podium finish at the end of the day. And then after that, the next race got an opportunity to drive the Mazda and has done, since, done so since then. Initially, it was just a race-by-race race deal. But he was a guy who was out of racing for two or three years, got this opportunity to be driver, coach and sort of reserve driver, if you like, at Murillo Racing. And he's turned that into a full-time ride. So hats off to the youngster Justin Piscatel. So the chequered flag is out, last few cars just coming to the line now to complete their final laps. Let's see if there is any uh, improvement by the guys further down. They feel Liam Dwyer sitting in 12th position at the moment. He's just come into the pit lane, so he'll be no better than in the top dozen, Jeremy. Yeah, Chad McCombie did improve again on that last lap at 2 minutes 30.802, uh -huh. just fractionally. Not enough, though, to improve his position, but uh, he did uh, set a slightly faster lap. He will still start, though, in the third position for tomorrow's two-and-a-half-hour race. It's interesting, isn't it? You're going to have the Alara car on pole position in ST alongside it, one of the C.J. Wilson racing cars, and then behind the pole sitter, the other C.J. Wilson racing car. I, I wonder if they might get together very, very early on and uh, see if they can't do a little bit of drafting and give themselves a bit of a bit of help. They need to get their heads together and try and work out a plan. The last thing that they have to do, of course, is come together in a negative sense and start trading paint at turn number one. But then again, they're racing drivers. Adam Isbin has the number 18 Porsche in fourth position ahead of another Porsche came and that of Jeff Mosing in fifth position. Jeff the Ironman Mosing as I think we'll probably have to be calling him after his exploits already this weekend. Brick Casey Jr. has popped up into sixth position in the number 25 Freedom Autosport Mazda MX-5. It really is Mazda's to the fore, isn't it? Four out of the top half dozen are MX-5s. Sarah Catania, the best of the front-wheel drive cars. That's the number 44 purple people eating uh, Honda. Uh, that is in 7th position, ahead of the similar car of Chad Gilsing in the 93 and 8th. Luis Rodriguez Jr. in the RS1, the Rensport 1, Porsche Cayman that he shares with Spencer Pompelli is in ninth, and rounding off the top 10 is Jason Bredis in the number 84, the Bimmer World Racing 328i that he shares with James Clay. That is an interesting top 10, Jeremy, with all of those Mazdas in there. And uh, I just wonder how they'll go against the Porsches. 
early on. Light, nimble cars, both, yeah. of course. And the early part of the lap, absolutely built for light, nimble cars. Isn't it just? That's right. They really, really throw those cars through the S's. And because they're so much lighter than the Porsche Caymans, uh, the, the weight differential uh, is uh, 500 pounds, uh, if you can believe it. Is almost, it really? al almost 500 pounds. Yeah, 23.75 for the Mazdas and 28.70 for the Porsche. That's, wow. a, that's a two-liter inline-four engine in the Mazda and a 2.9-liter uh, flat Porsche, six, flat six, yeah, in mm. the uh, in the Porsche Cayman. So, you know, quite a difference there in in horsepower. It's obviously difficult equalising these cars, but you know, the Mazdas should be lighter on their tyres, and given the heat um, that uh, we're going to see in tomorrow's race, that could be a factor certainly. So, everybody into the pit lane now, and we await the second part of qualifying, which will be the GS cars. I think might be just the odd one or two drivers still out on the circuit, but nobody improving towards the end of that. It really was get out there and get the lap set. In fact, Chad McCumbie, the only person who set his best lap on anything uh, further into the session than lap number five. Sarah Catania, lap number five. Everybody else, twos, threes and fours uh, as far as their best laps were concerned. And we should, in a moment or two, Jeremy, see the battle for what we expect to be Paul at the front of the field. It would be uh, very unusual for that not to be the case. Yep. Just looking down the uh, the ST times there, just one of the minis made it out. I saw Ramin Abdul Vahabi in car number 52. He's qualified down in 26th position. And the number 37 car, uh, Zach Meyer, uh, looks like that car... Uh, didn't get out. He's uh, due to be sharing with Aaron Nash, who I don't believe has yet done a lap. He didn't do anything. Uh, the car didn't run at all this morning, and it was Zach Meyer who drove in yesterday's practice session. So, poor Aaron Nash hasn't even got a chance to do a lap at all. Yeah. Really, that, that's not the way to start the week, is it? New. Not in a circuit like new this. Car. New car. Circuit that is very fast in places, and finding the nuances of the circuit gives you a lot of extra time here we could all drive around it i'm sure and think it goes left here it goes right here but knowing where you can push and knowing where you can't uh, is uh, very very difficult to find with limited lap times uh, we're live from the circuit of the americas nice to have your company it is the continental tire sports car challenge qualifying we know the pole position now for the st the street tuna class just in, just in piscatel is uh, with that and it will be gs the grand sport cars out next and greg has rejoined us having got his breath back uh just i mean let's just talk about jeff morsing there jumping straight out of the porsche after probably the sharp end of an hour in the car by the time he's sat in the collecting area done his warm-up laps done the race and come back and getting straight into the 56 car banging in a time that was quick enough for Paul when he put it in and finishing up fifth position. Extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, and the fierceness of the battle that he was in during that race, obviously, that plays a role in it too. And as I was walking over there to get into Victory Circle, a number of the drivers that were, uh, you know, top ten in each of the classes, as, as they got out of the car, they, need, they had to hustle them into shade, sit them down, pour some water into them, uh, just to be able to get them either back into their paddock or up into victory circle for the podium celebrations. Mosing hops right out of one, 
into the other and goes out and does that. Uh, again, yeah, okay, he lives in Austin. He's used to this. But that was an intense race he had to put in. Uh, that was really remarkable what he did here, I think. I think he clinched. Mm-hmm. I think he clinched both the gold and gold masters championships uh-huh. with that too. Yeah, so. he's really the only guy who's done the full campaign this year to be honest, yeah. the gold cup. So, but uh, yes. So he'll officially clinch uh, tomorrow. And Casey Coleman, I was talking to him, and he's basically. I I made the comment. I said, I think once you get in the car, if you sneeze and it moves a little bit, you'll clinch. Pretty much, it's <laughs> it's that good. But uh, you know, so he's looking pretty good for the masters championship tomorrow. So Justin Piscatel ahead of but, Tyler McQuarrie, Chad wow. McCombie, and Adam Eastman on the front two rows. Three MX-5s and a Porsche. Uh, then uh, Jeff Mosing's Porsche. Uh, the 25 is the um, Mazda of Freedom Autosport, another Mazda. Then the, the Honda. Uh, then the 93 Honda. So two Hondas in the top ten as well, ahead of Luis Rodriguez Jr. in the 17 Porsche and the 84 Bimmer World uh, BMW 328 as the rumble from outside of our window can mean only one thing big block Chevys rolling out and this is going to be uh, a very interesting next 15 or 20 minutes at uh, time I wonder for a little bit of uh, of karma for the guys from Multimatic who again have had nothing but bad luck this year talking earlier on Greg just about the amazing battles that we've had at the front of the field in GS this year and the fact that whilst um, Robin Liddell and Andrew Davies are leading the championship their issue now is not just with the rum bum car is that there are so many cars that potentially could get between them and the rum bum car and cost them points and the the points differential is going to be something we're going to have to watch out for for the last few races greg as we close in on the 2015 continental ties sports car challenge no absolutely i mean the rumbum car has closed it up smartly no question about that uh but here we have seen in both sessions so far it has been one of those multimatic mustangs that has been fastest and uh, we have seen in the last few races particularly in qualifying at vir in the most recent round that those uh, Doran Nissans, which have always been quick, have really hit their pace. Uh, still struggling to nail that first win down. Uh, but should those have had it last time oh, Absolutely. Should, we, were, we were going, no, no, pit, 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 pit <laughs> at VIR. I, I, listen, you know, as I said, I think, in the commentary for VIR, we complain, don't we, when everybody plays it safe. So for the guys to so completely roll the dice when they had a win, within touching distance they almost had it in their grasp so for them to roll the dice and and play hardball at that point i'm not going to criticize them for that had they been a little more conservative i think they would have had their first win in the bank now we're looking at it with 2020 hindsight and knowing that everyone else had to stop as well they didn't have that luxury at the time so i'm not going to criticize it but it can only be around the corner those nismo 370s have been absolutely brilliant in the second half of the season what surprised me and i think a number of people who have been listening and watching to uh, watching the coverage uh, of ctsc this year greg is just how quick they are in a straight line they're not the biggest engine car out there by any stretch of the imagination, but the aero is clever. Uh, the way they marshal the air through the car, that front end car, front engine car, and they are super quick. Sound great as well. Oh, I love. I've always thought that 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 Nissan Six has just got one of the greatest sounds. 
I think where their magic is, obviously, when you're talking about the V8s and you got you know the big V8s in the uh, in the uh, Mustangs and the big V8s in the Camaros, um, huge, <laughs> huge. They get out of the corners incredibly Correct. well. That torque and launch for them is fabulous, but eventually they stall out. The Nissans, they don't get there as fast. But they don't stop accelerating. Just so you and keep so pulling off. and pulling. Exactly. And pull. Long and straight. Yes, please. Yes. Can we have it longer? No, longer, no, longer than longer that. Longer than that. Yeah. Not quite as tight a corner starting, but yeah. we'll we'll live with it. Yeah, I, that's exactly right. And they're you know they're stout. And how about at VIR? And I'm you know looking forward to seeing what they might do here. That invisible glass automatic racing. Aston Martin. It's a good also, point. We didn't talk about that. Yeah. That's a very good point. We didn't Brett talk about Sandberg that. Brett was just superb behind the wheel of that. What's your take on the uh, announcement this week that we're going to see an even greater variety of cars in the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge next year? And crucially, I think, the GT4 Porsche Cayman, the Porsche Motorsports built Cayman, not these cars that are here in ST are all very well prepared, but they have not come out of the Porsche factory Correct. as a racing car. Next year, we have a mid-engined Porsche Motorsport product as a GT4 car in GS. That, I think, is a really interesting development for Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge. I think it is, too. Um, I think it's, if nothing else, I think it's a good study. Uh, to see how that blends because, in essence, you've got a couple of the different approaches then to the rules uh, for that class. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, obviously you've got some pretty good, you know, support. The uh, the Camaro Z28s, uh, you know, that team has got pretty good connections with GM. There's, you know, it, it's good stuff. And I think bringing that mix in, uh, you know, will be, uh, be interesting. It'll be interesting to see whether Rumbum, Alex to go that route and uh, give that a go right off the bat. You know what their approach is going to be because they they do like racing the Porsches. Be interesting to see how that's going to play. They've got a lot invested yes. in time and financially in that 911. But as I was saying at the, the start of the program with Jeremy, that's essentially a cup car. It's had some work done on right. it before anybody shouts. Oh, no, no. It's yeah. had some work on it, but essentially that started life as a cup car. And the David and Goliath battle, as I was describing earlier on with that and the big 7-litre Camaro, has been enthralling. I, I just wonder if they might not be able to wring a little bit more performance out of that 911. And also, I wonder if there's an emotional attachment there because that car has done so well for them. Yeah, and I mean, it's not a new car. You know, that's, not th They've been fielding that car for a while. That's my concern for them. Is as some of these newer models come out, that you know we've seen that 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 Shelby you know GT350 RC, immediately that thing was there. You could see it's a better package than the Boss 302. The Z28 was better than the uh, the Camaro. Uh, what's going to happen? I think with that Porsche, just because of its lifespan, uh, you know, you said can they ring more out of it? That's the issue. That is. If they can't, then maybe they need to be looking at something else, and maybe that G you know that uh, oh, that GT4 Cayman would be the way to go. Uh, we have got a green flag for the GS session just on five minutes after eight in the UK, five minutes past nine in Europe. Good evening if you're joining us here on IMSA Radio, perhaps just been watching the uh, Borussia-Liverpool game, which ended in a one-all draw in the Europa League. Spurs just having kicked off at White Hart Lane, just proving to you that we are actually live and we're not just making this up as we <laughs> go along. Uh, no comments about that on Twitter. But if you would like to get in touch with us, it is uh, at IMSA Radio. Greg Kramer and John Hindorf in the booth. Jeremy's uh, just 
uh, rotated out for a wee while. Part of our Super Endurance Weekend coverage from the Circuit of the Americas with all of the uh, IMSA series here this weekend. And add to that, well, just a small matter of the FIA World Endurance Championship. Six hours of racing into the darkness, not just into the evening, into the real darkness on Saturday night. It is race day Saturday, so if you're planning your weekend, go to imza.com, check the schedule, or radiolamon.com for our broadcast schedule. Most of what we're doing uh, through the latter part of the weekend will be in sound and vision with streaming video along with the commentary. But it is a Saturday race day for both series this year, so don't get caught out if you're making your plans to come back uh, and listen or watch some sports car racing on Sunday. It's another happening. In fact, it's Cirque du Soleil doing, Cirque du Soleil doing the uh, two shows on the Sunday in the car park here, uh, I, just over the back of us. I doubt they'd appreciate us standing in the back calling that life. I was very disappointed there was no Tigers. Really. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be uh, fun just, for us, but annoying for them. Just uh, a note for those of you on the premises here or coming this weekend, uh, our uh, Radio Le Bon Radio Show Limited uh, Apparel is on the premises uh, up at the Audi Experience. Already uh, more than a couple of items have been bought. I'm hearing uh, from our sales team up there. If you're not at the track, uh, we'll be giving you some details in the very near future of how you can log on and order some to be delivered right to your door. They have limited numbers here this weekend, but uh, we have got the website up. Uh, at least ready to go, and I'll give you the nod to, as to where you can log on for that a bit later on. You've asked for it for so long, we finally managed to find a partner uh, in uh, Spider, who we believe offers uh, the best uh, in terms of apparel and some polo shirts and some jackets. I don't think you'll need a jacket here this weekend, but if you're planning ahead for the winter, uh, they are here on the grounds of the Circuit of the Americas this weekend at the Audi Experience. Three minutes in and the cars have just come through to start their first flying lap. There goes a whirling Nissan in front of us. And I mean that, by the way, in the best possible way. There's the second car going through as well. Multimatic just following them through. Them on the Boss 302s. The pool time uh, last year for the GSs, I had it written down a few moments ago but thankfully somebody has brought a fan uh, thank <laughs> you to Brian Bywalter who brought a fan in to the booth the air conditioning not uh, operating at optimum here and uh, the fan is lovely but it uh, rearranged some of our painful work <laughs> however we're not complaining about that IMSA Radio Live and it was a 220.830 uh, for the Aston Martin Vantage and that goes back to, to 2013 Greg it does, it does. The conditions weren't quite right last year. Of course uh, it, was a, it was a yeah. little bit of a damp damp weekend in a lot of, uh, of ways, as you might recall, particularly when the WC race started. Uh, so that kind of put paid to it. But still, you know, the fastest time we've seen in any session leading up to this qualifying session was the 222.9 set by the uh, Multimatic number 15, the Shelby GT. They're back in that car having uh, repaired it after having to go to the old Boss 302 at VIR. Amazing. Back, oh, and then the run they had there, uh, that team just gets it done. Um, I spoke with Larry Holt, and I said to him, I uh, saw so the car's out. Yeah, 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 but we're still racing. I, huh? Yeah. Oh no, we've got a guy driving down and somebody else driving up to meet him so that they don't run out of and I said, What, well, hang on, from where? He says from the shop. <laughs> exactly. In Toronto. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah well, they're driving down from Canada as we speak and I say this was the day before the race and I said right when did that car run last he said I can't remember it's been under a dust sheet in the corner of the garage for a wee while and in fact they bedded in new brake pads and Jeremy's uh, rejoined us and will bear me out here they bedded in new brake pads around the paddock of VIR on the morning of the race they did uh, yeah where there's a will there's a way races that's (laughs) racing spirit isn't it it's fantastic and yeah, the car, the car, the car last raced at Mazda Raceway back in May, but it had actually done a test, one of the sort of one of the um, balance of performance tests, if you like, at, at Watkins Glen when they were when they were preparing the Shelby GT350R and comparing the data between the two cars. So that was the last time it had run. But you're right, hadn't raced for uh, better part of three months. And Matt Bell, by the way, had gone to the provisional pole, but Brad Yeager, you were talking about it, and now Nicholas no, Hammond in the team car, the 41 and 14 Nissans now one and two, and uh, uh, Nicholas Taman now at 223.797 for the provisional pole in the 41 Nissan GT Academy car and wailing away successfully thus far. Uh, Nick Haman continues to impress everybody, part of the Nissan GT Academy, got his chance to race by winning through a, an online competition and then through boot camp at Silverstone, driving tests and a head-to-head race on the national circuit at Silverstone. And it just it seems like only moments ago that he was on his sofa playing video games and now he's a fully-fledged racing driver. Yeah, did do a little bit of club racing. Before, so he hadn't, it wasn't if he'd done nothing at all, but certainly uh, nothing of significance. And has uh, been a, really a revelation to to everybody. Doing a really really nice job uh, at the wheel of that car. Drive also doing doing. They're, they're keeping him pretty busy too lately. He's been driving a lot of different cars in a lot of yes, different he series. Has. Talk about a nice kid too. Yeah. That's really oh, good. Ooh, nice. Hugh Plum jumps to second now at a 223-443, and uh, now gets within a couple of tenths essentially uh, of Maxwell's time, who went to the front. Wow, what a lap by Maxwell now at a 2-minute 23.232, John, in that number 15, Shelby 350RC. And, you know, that's what we were saying about the potential danger for Andrew Davies and Robin Liddell, the championship leaders, in sixth position at the moment. Scratch that in fifth as Andrew Davies has just clocked to 24-1. The, you know, it's, it's not just the fact that the Plum guys, the Plum boys, I suppose, you would the call The Brothers them. Plum. The Brothers Plum, yes, that's exactly, that's exactly what I was looking for, uh, are, are quick and can give them a run for their money. It's who might get between them. And at the moment, if this was a race result now, that, you know, that would be more than half of their championship lead that has disappeared. Second place doesn't look great for the Rumpum guys, but a fifth place for the sixth car would be meaning that the 10-point the deficit is quickly disappearing. Just two races left, of course. So the imperative is certainly with the Rumbum Porsche, can Rumbum win the last two races? They might not need to if the strength in depth that we've been talking about continues to come through. Jack Shalowski, um has just said, any chance of uh, some of that apparel you're talking about coming to Road Atlanta, I want a jacket? Yes, absolutely. We'll have some now on the Audi Experience uh, area as well uh, and thanks to our friends at Audi Andy uh, Tess and the rest of the team for giving us a little bit of rack space down there this is very impressive once again by Multimatic Jeremy 
It is certainly a matter. Hugh Plum there, 223.4. That's a couple of tenths quicker than he went this morning. Uh, Scott Maxwell, the 223.2, the uh, fastest guy so far in number 15 Ford Shelby GT350 RC. Uh, that is uh, about two and a half tenths slower than Billy Johnson did in that car earlier today. Uh, the uh, Nissan 23.7 compares to this morning's time. Yeah, a couple of tenths slower, so right in the ballpark. The surprising thing is that the two Chevy Camaros, Andrew Davis and Matt Bell, significantly slower than they went this morning. 23-0 for the number six car this morning. 24-1, the best items managed this afternoon. Long chat with uh, Robin in the airport on Monday afternoon. Uh, he was on the same British Airways flight that uh, we were coming in. Still an issue, they feel, with the top speed of that car. Uh, the le the data from VIR showing them seven miles an no, hour. No, not the case. Well, not the ca not not. Uh, might have been on one lap, but on a regular basis, uh, uh, I don't think the case. And certainly, if you look at the lap times, uh, we talked about it earlier on, the lap times that they managed to achieve uh, were within thousands of a second. All of the top contenders there. So, no, I don't go for that. Uh, the just some breaking new big racing weekend here at Quarter uh, with Chile United Sports Car Championship, the IMSA series, all here on IMSA uh, Radio, and of course we've got the FIA World Endurance Championship. Here's a story breaking that straddles both of them. The Patron ESM team have committed again to the FIA WEC for 2016, but they will be at the Rolex. Uh, Daytona 24 hours as well in 2016, which is already. The 24 hours, uh, uh, the Rolex 24 hours at Daytona, already looking to be an absolutely brilliant start to the international sports car calendar at the end of January, beginning of February in 2016. And we're yet to find out, of course, what, uh, what effect on the entry GT, full FIA GT3 spec cars will have in terms of people coming to do that as a one-off, not just uh, in the full championship. So Patron ASM... Uh, back at the Rolex Daytona 24 hours and also the 2016 FIA WEC they have recommitted to that I presume with two cars I'll have to read the story on dailysportscar.com but uh, it uh, doesn't say only one car so I'm presuming that is the case Scott Maxwell then still with the 223 223.4, 223.7, 224.1 that's your top four times at the moment and that is Shelby, Porsche Nissan, Nissan, then the first of the Camaros, and as far as their championship is concerned, it's the right one, at least, gentlemen. That is the sixth car, that is the car leading the championship. Then the nine, their teammate, Ashley Freiburg, with a 24 6. So just uh, over a second away from fastest time at the moment in the full line IHG Rewards Club's BMW. Ashley's season continues. She's had an up and down season but as we said before Jeremy not necessarily of her own making she's been very impressively um, in, in terms of her times a consistency of times and they've been quick as well yeah on, a, on the whole first time here at Circuit America so not an easy track to learn uh, uh, her uh teammate uh, this weekend, co-driver Trent Hinman, he has been here before, not only that he's actually won the race here uh, so I think Ashley's not quite yet uh, perhaps got the full uh, the maximum out of that car this weekend but still, you know, just over a second off the provisional pole as we stand at the moment Remember earlier on, our ST pole was set by a Lara Motorsport Mazda driver Justin 
Piscatel and it was a Mazda 1-2-3 with the CJ Wilson racing duo of Tyler McQuarrie and Chad McCombie in second and third position and the first non-Mazda Adam Isman in the 18 Porsche in fourth position decent battle uh, I would think between those cars when we go racing on Friday here for the Continental Tires Sports Car Challenge we are down to the last let me see couple of minutes actually one minute and 23 seconds i was trying to do the arithmetic in base 60 in my head and then realized we had a countdown clock uh, on the, the timing screen <laughs> you hate one that <laughs> i saw so everybody get it wrong you got <laughs> right at me so well uh, the uh, so last minute now uh, of this session remember if you're on the lap when the time runs out you will be credited that lap so you do get to come around and as we get into this last little bit of the session, looking ahead to the race tomorrow, it is going to be running starting around noon, ending right around now. No. So you, we are. this is the type of conditions that are going to be there. And if that's what happens, I think you have to give the nod to the lighter, nimbler, perhaps a little less powerful cars, uh, but the ones that will be easier on their tires because this track is going to be... Atrocious in terms of tire wear. Uh, and Jeremy, what we've seen, and the listeners and viewers have commented on this right throughout the season, particularly on the faster tracks, Road America, even at VIR, the spread of tactics that this variety of cars gives, whether it's trying to stretch the tires to two and just put fuel in, whether it's a two stop in terms of two tire stop or four stop, this adds a whole heap of variety and tactical nous required into these two hours and 40 minute races that perhaps you wouldn't have expected as a check flags yeah no you're absolutely right and certainly it is going to be about time management tomorrow uh, and uh, you know the chevy's certainly you know they're the championship leaders andrew davis and robin liddell they're going to have to start tomorrow's race in the fifth position that's that's not horrible it's not where they would would prefer to start certainly uh, but things uh, happen back there though if you're at the yeah. shot you know yeah, it's well, not true. as bad as it could be but we've seen you know people look at what happened to Ashley Freiberg at, at Lime Rock Park yeah nothing to do with her she was just punted off there somebody made a mistake and uh, got into the back of her and shoved her off the road so um, at Lime Rock certainly uh, you know, the consequences for something like that happened are much greater than here you talked about it earlier on because there's so much runoff area here, it's a lot harder to do any serious damage to the car other than making contact with another racing car. Um, yeah, but, uh, but, but that could be the issue here for the simple reason. Turn one is oh. so inviting with that fade to the apex. You could get somebody back in tent that thinks, oh, I'm going to get uh, you know three rows here. They, they're leaving me this big gap, yep. and it can just collect it. I mean, that's all part of the, of, of the drill here for sure. Along with tire management tomorrow, guys, driver management. And again, two and a half hour race, probably two stops. Uh, are we going to see teams looking at, you know, starting, then replacing a driver, then putting him back in, uh, instead of having one driver do long back-to-back -back stints? I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a lot to be considering here from the strategist role. So it will be pole position for the number 15 Shelby, the 15 car with a 223.3. Scott Maxwell at the wheel. Hugh Plum, championship contender, absolutely, outside of the front row. We'll get a clean run at least into the first corner. Now, what happens behind, of course, he can't control, and it'll be Nick Haman and Brad Yeager in the two Nissans 
locking out the second row. They locked out the front row at VIR for the last race. That's the fourth pole of the season for that number 15 card. So the third for Scott Maxwell. Billy Johnson had a pole also this year. So uh, they will be starting front. This is the tenth pole for Scott Maxwell. This is just two behind Matt Bell, who is now the overall uh, pole record holder in the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge with 12. And you know what? Um, one last thing here in this championship battle, and I think it's one of those deals where uh, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other, quite literally. For the 13 Rumbum car, they have done this with one car. They don't have a team car. That's a good point. So they've done this, this charge through the pack, these finishes, with one car. The other side of the equation is if they get into a fraught battle with some of these other teams, or whether it's somebody in the points or not, they have no wingman. And that's huge because, uh, you know, Jaeger, obviously, and Haman, that's a two-car team. Davidson Bell, two-car team. Maxwell, Sindrick, two-car team. Well, so yeah, it'll be but Rumdon Racing, they have Joe Vardy on the pit wall. And, uh, He's worth two of anybody. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, a yeah. massive amount of experience. You know, a tremendously accomplished <laughs> driver in his own right. Uh, he is so, the wingman. Yeah, yeah he exactly. is the wingman. Yeah, sitting there on the pit box. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you very much indeed. Uh, so that is how the front couple of rows will set up tomorrow, 15-13. Uh, Shelby and Porsche on the front row, the two Nissans, 41 and 14, on row two. Then the two Camaros on row three. They'll, they need to work their team orders as well there and make sure it's the sixth car that gets the advantage. Uh, Ashley Freiburg will start the 46 IHG Rewards Club BMW on the inside of row number four alongside her. Austin Sindrick in the second of the Multimatic cars. Expect to see that car come through. Austin is a very quick starter indeed. Just very, a very quick note to what you said there, John, about the team order thing. They're making sure the number, uh, the Andrew Davis and Robbie Delcar finishes ahead of the, the Ashenbach Bell car. They didn't do that uh, last time out at... Uh at VIR, well, they, they lost the opportunity That's to right. do it because a late... Th yeah. I think they were thinking about it, yeah. but a late full-course yellow right. meant they couldn't That's get right. by. And it, at the end of the season, if there's a couple of points that stops them taking the championship, there's going to be some glum faces <laughs> uh, in the in the six-car camp. Well remembered there, Jeremy. At top ten, uh, it'll be Martin Barkey who starts the number uh, 80. That's the Mantella Autosports car, isn't it? The, uh, the Camaro and the 78... Uh, the Nick Gallant-driven car is the Racers Edge Boss Mustang 302 that he shares with Bob McKillian. That's the top five rows tomorrow. Yeah, good effort by Martin Barkley Very there. good, yeah. Uh, it's his first uh, full season in this championship. And he gets into the top ten there with a time that's... Uh, you know, only what, within, within a couple of seconds of the pro drivers, Andrew Davis and Matt Bell. Good effort. Well done, Martin Barkey. And just a quick recap again of the ST field. Justin Piscatel for Alara Motorsports and the Mazda MX-5 leading. And Mazda 1-2-3 with Tyler McQuarrie and Chad McCombie in second and third position for CJ Wilson Racing. Adam Isman, the best of the non uh, Mazdas for Porsche number 18 crew in fourth position. Then it's 56 and 25, 44 and 93. That's uh, a good effort again by Sarah Catania on the inside of row four in the Honda with a Honda alongside. And you changed the color on that car. Was it? Is that not the purple people leader? Yeah, but two races ago, because I missed VIR, we had a completely different name for the color <laughs> on that. Did we call it maroon or no, something? No, it was something a little bit more flowery. <laughs> I'll, I'll go back and listen. Uh, <laughs> the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge is reaching the high point of the season. Championships to be won, lost, or at least decided. Unlikely to happen this weekend, but we'll be a little bit closer to knowing the 2015 champions when we've completed 
completed the two hours and 30 minutes of Friday's race, and you can hear that all here on IMSA Radio. This programme is a production of IMSA and Radio Show Limited. For more, visit RadioLeMond.com.